Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Look, I'm a guy who likes a good hamburger. Make no mistake about it. Uh, A&W, they make decent hamburgers. I do, look, I mean, I get that they're trying to carve out a niche for themselves in a crowded burger, burger marketplace. Uh, you know, A&W comes across to me as a little pretentious at times in, in how they market themselves these days. And hey, to each his own. But one area where obviously they had a lot of commercial success was in introducing this Beyond Meat burger, which is a burger. It looks like a burger, apparently tastes a lot like a burger, but it's a, basically a veggie burger. It's a plant-based kind of protein. It's meant to taste, I guess, as close to the real thing as you're going to get with peas and soybeans or whatever else is in it. But apparently, this is something that, that people really wanted. I mean, A&Ws were selling out of these burgers. They've now rolled out um, one of their breakfast sandwiches. It's like a Beyond Meat sausage to go with the egg. I'm pretty sure it's still real egg. So what's the reason for this being such a hit? Because now Beyond Meat, they're going to go beyond A&W. And this is going to be rolling out of grocery stores across the country later this year. Are there just that many vegetarians who want... Something that tastes like a hamburger? Are people looking for healthier alternatives? Is it this whole business with the Canada Food Guide telling us that plant-based proteins are good? Is it an environmental footprint kind of thing? Apparently, by the way, that, you know, if health is your concern, apparently there's a lot, like an insane amount of sodium, at least in these uh, A&W products. So what do we make of, of why this has become such a phenomenon? Well, our next guest wrote an interesting piece uh, this week. Sylvain Charlebois is Senior Director of the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at uh, Faculty of Management, Dalhousie University. The food professor, as he's known. Sylvain, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. My pleasure. Uh, so first of all, explain for people who haven't experienced Beyond Me, to explain what it is. Well... It attempts to replicate the taste of beef. It it doesn't really, but it's really close. (laughs) So it's a good product, but it's not perfect. From a nutritional perspective, it is a a plant-based patty. Uh, So uh, the company uses uh, vegetable proteins in order to replace, I guess, uh, the proteins you would normally get out of eating a beef patty essentially. Mm-hmm. And um, so the mixture basically makes you believe that you're chewing a, a regular patty, but in actuality, it is it is more, uh, it's a plant-based patty altogether. Yeah, I haven't tried it myself, but people I've, I've talked to have said that it's, I mean, it's good, it's it's enjoyable, it's it's close to beef, but you can still kind of tell that it's it's not quite. That's right. So there's, there's a couple of things that are a little bit different. I mean, from a from the taste itself uh, is actually quite similar. The texture, not so much, uh, and uh, and also because when you're chewing it, it it just doesn't feel the same way. And of course, uh, the one thing that people will would look forward to in the spring and the summer is is how it would behave on a barbecue, and it's it's not even close to be the same thing. But we the industry's intent. At some point, it will be to replicate exactly what you would get uh, from uh, from the animal version uh, of a steak or a patty. 
So is this just then that, that vegetarians or vegans, that they want something that tastes like a hamburger? Or is there, is there some broader appeal to a product like this? Uh, the, the whole idea is to really to get uh, flexitarians to consider this uh, this uh, source of protein as a legitimate one. I, I think that's really what the key is for companies like Beyond Meat. And, uh, of course, uh, vegans and vegetarians uh, have a different portfolio of products, and they want to stay away from the meat counter as much as possible. But this, this product uh, will be sold in grocery stores in Canada. It'll be interesting to see... Uh, I guess two things. One, where is it going to be uh, in the store? And I suspect some grocers will will actually have that product uh, at the meat counter uh, or close to it anyways. Uh, I know that there are some grocers that are already carrying the product in the freezer aisle. And, of course, the uh, big question is price. Uh, what would be the price point for these products? And, uh, and frankly, this is going to be a tricky one because if it is as expensive or close uh, to the same price as beef, I, I'm not sure there's going to be, the conversion rate is going to be that high. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, I think that location in the grocery store is going to be important because a lot of grocery stores sort of have a little section for for vegetarians, right? And it's uh, that's where they go, and, and other consumers don't typically go go near that. So, do you think how would it go over to to put this, you know, right alongside the hamburgers? I'd say that really, generally speaking. Uh, they they just want to uh, make that link between what we know and what we could know, uh, essentially. I think that's really the bottom line for, for those companies because uh, they do see uh, their products as sustainable. Uh, animal welfare is not an issue either. So I suspect that more and more uh, people will want to make that link as much as possible. But it will, it will be interesting to say, I mean, the, the, the A&W campaign uh, was so successful um, it just it just brought grocers to really think differently about vegetable proteins in general. Well, yeah, it's true. I mean, A and W they're trying to carve out a niche for themselves in a lot of ways. Not everybody's a big fan of it uh, of their approach, no. but but yeah, this well, seems in Alberta. Well, yeah, no kidding. So this did seem like well, a bit yeah. of a risk for them, but it, it certainly seemed to have paid off. It was it was a big hit for them. Well, I remember. I mean, a couple of months ago, I was at in Red Deer talking to about 700 cattle producers about this uh, plant-based phenomena. And, uh, you know, I told them, listen, I, I saw an AW in town and there's lots of cars there. I mean, people actually go to that restaurant and people enjoy that product and people will buy the Beyond Burger. And uh, so there's, there's demand for, for that kind of product. And it caught, uh, it caught the attention of the food retailing industry. And it's hard to blame them for that. For the beef industry, of course, there 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 are opportunities out there. Uh, I mean, people will see their products very differently, but some people are actually willing to pay a premium as well to get the real thing. And so, uh, you want to capitalize on that as much as possible. Yeah, and I mean, there's been some controversy, you know, around this issue around the release of the Canada Food Guide and what seems like an emphasis on maybe trying to include more plant-based proteins. Are, are we seeing this this kind of clash? I guess we want to call it that at at a broader level. Oh, there is a clash going on. It's been going on for a while. You see that? I think a lot of Canadians actually were, were looking for. Uh, plant-based products for a while. What 
what Beyond Meat has brought to the table is scalability. Mm-hmm. You're basically looking at a company who's is about to become public, uh, which is about to go through an IPO worth $1.2 billion. I mean, this is, this, we're talking about peas and lentils here. Right. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an incredible amount of money being poured into a company uh, that doesn't want to come close to meat products. It's a, and you got Maple Leaf building a $300 million plant in Indiana, producing plant-based uh, products as well. So it, it's incredible what's going on. Well, it's interesting. I mean, we grow these things in, in Canada. This is an American company. Why, why do you think that, that there hasn't been you know, a Canadian version of this yet? That's a very good question, because uh, I suspect that a lot of the peas that are going to be bought by Beyond Meat to produce, the patties will buy back uh, in, uh, to populate all of our grocery stores uh, are grown in Canada. And so a lot of ingredients are grown in Canada. And uh, you all, all you needed was the design. And I know that there are a lot of startups that are looking into this space in Canada, even in Calgary, actually. And uh, I would say just yesterday I was actually talking to some some uh, some entrepreneurs in Calgary uh, via Skype. And um, there's lots of interest uh, in producing plant-based products, but it's a bit it's a bit late. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it's it's not too late because the Beyond Meat product is not perfect. So I suspect that as we move forward, the plant-based market will become a little bit more sophisticated. People will look for different things, different... Not all vegetable proteins are the same. So it will be up to Canadian startups to really look uh, look for these gaps in the marketplace that Beyond Meat is creating. And in terms of challenges to the beef industry, industry I, I think this does represent one i guess you know the thing to watch in the years ahead will be whether you know there's progress made on this idea of lab-grown meat the idea that we can create what's essentially a hamburger but we're doing so in a lab we're not doing so with maybe the environmental footprint say of of the beef industry does that does that represent another threat down the road i i do think so so the technology is possible about five years ago, uh, it cost over 300,000 U.S. dollars to produce 150 grams of uh, lab-grown meat, uh, of cultured meat. Uh, now we're down to about $5 U.S. Wow. So you can see that financially it is becoming viable to uh, produce uh, lab-grown meat. Now, the challenge, of course, is the regulatory framework. How do you, how do you regulate this thing? I mean, it's not, it's not meat, really. It's, well, you need stem cells, but how do you regulate that from a food safety perspective, and how do you categorize that, that, that kind of product? So it's going to be challenging, but the USDA is doing a lot of work in that regard, and we are expecting within two years that lab-grown meat will be sellable in the U.S. And it will be just a matter of time before Canada follows suit. It'll be interesting to see. We'll leave it there for now. Uh, Professor Chalabois, always appreciate the insight. Thank you so much for joining us here. My pleasure. Take care. All right. There you go. Sylvain Chalabois with Dalhousie University. His thoughts on this Beyond Meat phenomenon. But also, the question of lab-grown meat. I wonder, you know, if you're a vegetarian and you object to eating an animal or you object to an animal having to die so that you can eat a meal, would you have any objection to lab-grown meat? If you could essentially grow meat from stem cells, you're not killing an animal. I don't know. Would vegetarians eat it? Anyway, that aside, what do you make of this Beyond Meat phenomenon? And have you tried it? I haven't tried it, so I can't comment on it. 
Not that I'm opposed to. Maybe I will. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.